asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're talking about how you can retire sooner and increase your happiness now with Wes Moss. Our guest today is everywhere. <laughs> Wes Moss is the host of Money Matters, the country's longest running investment radio show. He is also the host of his own podcast, Retire Sooner. He's the author of multiple books, including the recently released book, What the Happiest Retirees Know, which we're going to be talking about today. Oh, and he's also the chief investment strategist at Capital Investment Advisors, which is a, a fee-only investment firm with over $2.8 billion in assets under management. Uh, so all that being said, we're excited to talk a lot about happiness today in general. So Wes, thank you for joining us today on the show. Gentlemen, it's my honor to be here. Wes, we're so glad to have you. Wes and I go way back. We've known each other for a long time. So uh, especially since this new book came out and there's so much good info here, we're excited to chat with you today, man. But we, we want to ask you first the question we ask every single guest that comes on the show. Matt and I, of course, as you know, <laughs> and our audience knows, uh, love craft beer and we're willing to spend, some would say too much money on it uh, in the here and now while we're attempting to save thoughtfully and invest for our future. So we want to know from you, what's uh, your splurge? What's that craft beer equivalent in your life? Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been thinking about this one because I, I, the way I look at spending is that as long as you're within what I, I'd say the 4% plus rule parameters, and as long as you're saving what you need to save, then I love to be very unjudgy when it comes to what people are spending money on. So the, I love, I love that you guys asked this question and I think of, there's, there's plenty of places that, that I look at that I probably spend too much money uh, in. A good, a good example, and I've, I, I was thinking back, like where have I felt some guilt? And I have a little bit of that, a little bit of a gut wrench, like, oh, it feels like too much, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's, it actually has to do with music stuff. Hmm. Uh, the last time I saw you guys in person was a place, I think it was some sort of dueling piano bar. That's right. <laughs> <Where> our, <laughs> the dueling piano bar concept is amazing because it's almost like a carry. It's almost like live karaoke. It is two guys playing piano. There's actually a, maybe a drummer once in a while and they're playing all the songs that you want to hear and you're kind of singing along to that. 
that is actually one of the most fun things I do in my life, which is that mm. in real in in I- IRL in real life, which is music <laughs> stuff. I've got a kid, one kid that is a really serious guitar player, and I've been I've played played music for probably thirty years of my life, or more than that, even maybe thirty five years. And grew up in a family. A couple, my brother's a guitar player. My dad's a guitar player. And I've always been the piano player in the family, which is, by the way, a less cool instrument than guitar. Until you go to a dueling piano bar, right? And and they are like, rocking oh, out. <laughs> true, that's true. So, I, anyways, I've always played piano. So I bought. I have a. I have an old one of these old Steinways. That's it was a gut wrenching purchase because it's super expensive. And then I bought a key a Roland Keola piano that looks really cool and sleek. And that was super expensive too. It was like double. Like you can get a a great keyboard for like two grand. I think the Roland Keola was like five grand. So Ooh. it was it was it felt really difficult to do. And then guitars. I bought a guitar the other day. It was like fourteen hundred bucks. So that's a super Ooh. indulgent thing. Music. But I do I do love it. I love that you know your genre though, and yeah. that's so important, right? That's what we talk about on the show. Like you can't you can't spend spend big. In every single category, but as long as you know, hey, this is the one where I'm going to turn up the heat and I'm going to mm-hmm. be willing to let a few more dollars fly. Um, we know that it's craft beer. You know that it's music, and that's awesome. That's right. Yeah. So, Wes, before we kind of you know dive into more of the money talk here, uh, real quick, you were on The Apprentice back in the day, right? Was it back in uh, season two? Yeah, it feels like yesterday, but it was. I guess it's <laughs> 18 years ago. <laughs> what it's, was uh, what was that entire experience like, real quick? So it's just, I would say it's scary because you knew, even though you can't quite prepare that, and this is back when TV was popular. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that show was very popular. Right. So it was, I think it was the first season averaged 18 million viewers an episode. Wow. And being on there was, it was, I would say the whole time it was kind of nerve wracking because you're filmed the whole time and you're doing business the whole time and you're competing the whole time and you want to have a it's just hard to get that right balance of aggressive enough to try to do well but not look like a crazy person (laughs) and i just remember thinking the whole time is like i just don't need to stay balanced stay out of trouble (laughs) and it was it was wild yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to be the Amorosa. I guess though, she's she's done well for herself. So, uh, but let, let's get into some of the content that you cover in in the book, uh, Wes. You I, you know what I love? You have kind of a preoccupation with making sure that folks who retire are happy, and I don't think that's a negative thing. Like I think that's a that's a positive thing. You and you actually tell a story at the beginning of your book about growing up around the Amish, and so it, it seems like maybe that informed some of your happiness obsession. Is that true? This question around money, what's the right amount of money versus happiness and what's that relationship, I think is another thing I tried to solve. And in writing this book, I I went back to thinking more about maybe I was just confused as a kid. And it wasn't until this book that I tried to uncover that, which is I, I grew up in a weird place where I was two miles away from a steel mill in Coatesville, Pennsylvania. So you had a lot of blue collar people that literally worked at Luke, what it was at the time, Lucan's Steel. And then my dad was, a, is, is, or just has recently retired, large animal veterinarian and small animal when he retired. And his main client was, were Amish dairy farmers. And they, they were, Lancaster County was, or Lancaster PA was 15 minutes from where I, I, my dad still lives. But at the same time, it's in this gorgeous place in Southeastern Pennsylvania where the, the ultra wealthy come as well because they, it's horse country. So you have these $50 million horse farms that are, you know, they might be a thousand acres and it's all right there near where the Amish are and near where Luke and Steel is. So I think I grew, looking back on it and writing this book, maybe I was just, I had this confusion around, well, these people over here are billionaires and they have 50 horses. And they seem, you know, pretty happy. And then I go on farm calls with my dad to Eli Stoltzfus's place. And they literally choose to live as though they have almost no money. Hmm. Because the Amish, the Amish have like, they literally still have no electricity, no, no TV, no radio. Like they used to come, my dad, my dad had this red pickup truck. Um, I remember I was five or six years old at the time. And the Amish kids that I became buddies with, because I used to go, I did these farm calls for years. They'd be like, oh, can we come here? We could go to your dad's truck and listen to the radio. (laughs) 
and they, it was like a highlight of their day. And I'm like, guys, you literally like this is the most boring thing in the world. <laughs> like, wait till you see TV. Like, wait till you It'll guys blow watch your get- mind. So I think I just grew up thinking like these people have choose to live really without a lot of money, juxtaposition with the people that had all the money in the world, and the Amish people seem to be as happy or maybe even happier than anyone else I knew. That I, I think that that rattled around in my brain forever. It's like, well, what what's the right answer? Does it take does money help with happiness, or do you not even need it? And that's why I think I ended up studying it for now the better part of my life. Nice. Yeah, that's a. Uh... Yeah, incredibly severe juxtaposition, like you said. And it sounded like maybe even that some of that lifestyle rubbed off a little bit. Like you did mention your dad. And in the book, too, you mentioned that he's essentially maybe the first happy retiree that you mentioned. And so, like, what were a couple of the specific things that you feel like he was doing that allowed him to become an an H-Rob, the happiest (laughs) retiree on the block, like you mentioned? Yeah. So it's he's he's an interesting guy. Uh, He is a pretty introverted guy. And... Uh, relatively quiet. I'd still say today, to this day, he's kind of a he's kind of a, a a hippie. I don't know if that's the right. Yeah, so he's kind of a he's a, he's a grown up hippie, really. He's he's <laughs> about seventy today, and he doesn't need to be around a ton of people. But he's got his music buddies, and they come and play. They they come over to his barn. They have a studio in the top of the barn. They play music, you know, a couple times a month. And he has twice a year, he has a softball party in his field. And the rest of the time, he has just this, the longest list till to this day of these, again, I, I think curiosity is almost the, the magic elixir for having a happy mm-hmm. retirement and, and, and core pursuits of these hobbies that people have on steroids. Happy retirees have a lot of them. And he has almost an unending list of really involved core pursuits and they're all over the map but they keep him so occupied that he's always kind of hopping from one core pursuit that's so fun to another to another and he just keeps keeps this list running and he keeps trying to get better and better at all these different things and it's kind of fascinating like i can't keep up with him when it comes to that (laughs) but maybe one day if i'm not doing the podcast and i'm not don't have a financial firm maybe one day i'll have 15 different core, core pursuits like my dad. Yeah, and we want to talk about more uh, core pursuits just a, a little bit later too, because that is such a important factor in what makes someone a happy retiree versus an unhappy one uh, based on the research that you've done. I want to just like quickly ask though, like the title of your book, it includes the word retirees. And so uh, a lot of our listeners are younger, they're millennial aged uh, folks, they're in their 20s and 30s. So yeah, what would you say to them if they're like, this conversation is not going to be relevant? Like we're only talking about people that are nearing retirement age, but I think there's a, a whole lot more that we're going to uncover in this conversation too, don't you think? The the opposite of that is true, right? So so this these are lifestyle habits that you that we as a we all need to embody like today, like in our 20s and our 30s. And it's this it's it's helping us in studying the happy retirees and how they live. It studies this really important balance between money habits and lifestyle and financial habits and what we can spend our money on. And and the the non-financial side. So first of all, the financial side of this is that I want to emulate. We all want to emulate what the happiest retirees do money wise. We can we, we know what those checkpoints are. We know what those checkpoints are to get to financial freedom. That's, of course, a, a huge part of this and a fundamental foundational part of the book and you in the earlier you do and i didn't really i actually didn't publish this in this book but one of my research studies showed the average net worth relative to when someone started saving money and it's a fascinating and i i probably need to write about this but and, and, and it's exactly what you expect, but it's a very clear picture of those who started saving in their 20s are the ones that were more likely to get to $3 million or more. And the probability of getting to $3 million or more continued to go down the later we started saving. However, mm. it's never too late. And I tell a couple of stories in the book about how it's never too late to be a happy retiree. So to me, we also, just like you, you don't want to start, you don't want to wait till you're 60 to start saving money. You also don't want to wait to do all these other lifestyle habits until you are, you don't want to wait till you're 60. You want to do them like you're 20, 30, and 40 yeah. and integrate them into your life. Because I've, I will say, even though I've worked with many, many happy retirees over the years, I've also seen some unhappy retirees. And 
where do they come from? A lot of times that group is the all work and no play mm. group. And they, they figure out work and they figure out money and they nail that. But they, they think, they, they, they operate under the assumption that today I'm going to work, 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 and it's the only thing I can do. And then tomorrow this switch is going to get flipped and all of a sudden I'm going to just do all the fun stuff. And, it, and it's actually impossible to do that. You cannot do that. It, there is too big of a transition to get to a fulfilling full life outside of work and outside of the money side of the equation. So we have to do it now and we have to always integrate that balance. And, and you know, we've talked about this, Joel. I know that you, you're a huge believer in having a wonderful balance. And that, in my opinion, that is the ultimate step to becoming a happy retiree is to find the balance early and not wait until you're like 60 mm -hmm. to do it. Got to do it in your 20s, 30s, and 40s to be able to get it right by the time you stop working. Yeah, I love what you said there about not being able to, to flip a switch because if you've lived an entire way, your entire life, uh, a specific way your entire life, it is going to be really difficult just to be like, okay, all of a sudden now I'm going to have a life oftentimes outside of my work because that's where a lot of folks throw themselves into. Yeah, if work has been the end-all be-all, there's going to be a void yeah. <laughs> when, oh, you, when you finally absolutely. reach the time where you're trying to quit. Yeah. So, so Wes, so ha like having enough money like that, like you said, it's foundational, but it's a, you know, it's just, it's only a portion of achieving happiness. Uh, and you actually, you make this argument in your book with the plateau effect. And so can you explain uh, how that plateau effect works? So if I, I, I said economics, so I think of this term of diminishing marginal returns in this particular relationship. It, if we think about does more money buy more happiness? And the, I guess the simple answer that I give on this question is yes, it does, only, but, up to, but only up to a certain point. Meaning that in the early stages of either saving money, earning money, and even spending money to some extent, the, the happiness curve jumps really quickly and dramatically in the early stages of saving money. And then we get to a certain point, let's call it from a savings perspective as an example, new incremental dollars buy us less new incremental happiness, meaning that we have dimin basically diminishing marginal happiness per new dollar. And maybe the easy way to say that is it's a plateau effect. So that we, we and we think of it from going from earning, maybe we'll look at it this way, earning $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year to 60 is a massive jump in the way That's you can live your life and maybe some more yeah. cushion, right? But going from another extreme example, going from a million a year to two million, not going to change your lifestyle. <laughs> it's like going from an outhouse to indoor plumbing, but <laughs> that's that's a big jump. But then that indoor plumbing to like the gold-plated toilet, like eh, it's, it doesn't really move the needle that much. It's still cold in the winter. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like I don't know. It's all, yeah, and it's maybe like the iPhone. Going from the flip phone to the iPhone. 10 is a massive jump in like utility, and I'm so happy. Going from iPhone 10 to iPhone 13, like what's the difference? Yeah. Well, hey, Wes, we've got some more questions we, we want to get to, and including we want to talk about uh, personal habits and those core pursuits and kind of dig a little bit deeper uh, with some questions around that. And we'll get to those questions right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Cachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Cachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Cachava. Just go to Cachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money all right we are talking with wes moss about retiring sooner and increasing your happiness the different ways that we can start doing that now it's so important to to kind of find that balance like we talked about before the break and so Wes let's let's talk about some of the top habits that the happiest retirees practice again like we said earlier you know making smart money moves is hugely important uh, it's, it's what we talk about here on the show every single week you know you mentioned having enough saved in retirement having diversified streams of income uh, but you also spend a lot of time in your book covering just the many other things that lead to happiness and you know a lot of them pertain to things that we can pursue and the things that we can do as individuals. And so let's talk about some of those different habits that we can pursue. Uh, can you t- tell us a little bit more about core pursuits and what exactly is a core pursuit? And, you know, specifically too, you're going to tell us about how many of those we should have, right? Exactly. So again, I'd like, th- this book is data driven. So I, 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 I believe in doing research around a topic and then getting the data back and then making conclusions from that as opposed to originally thinking like, oh, I'm going to write about what I think happy retirees are going to do or what they do. And I, and it just, I instead decided to start first with research and study. And, and that's what, once I, I started to be able to get into that habit of studying and researching, to me, the, the data kind of tells the story. And one of those data points, and I asked this question in one of my original studies 10 years ago, and I've updated this over the years, is that you know, how many core pursuits, and I define this in, in when I do my research, hobbies on steroids, these are things that you live to do. <laughs> how many of these things do you have? Period. Like, I don't care what they are. I don't care where you do them. I don't care who you do them with. What I wanted to know, at least the, the foundation of this, is how many of them do you have? And I found out that the happy group averages 3.6 of these core pursuits. And the unhappy group averages only 1.9. So less than two and almost four. And, and, I, and again, by the way, I went to 
down to the Georgia Tech math department to say, hey guys, can you help me analyze this data for statistical significance? Because this, this I want to make sure that this, this has a mathematical uh, relationship that, that I can really speak to, because this is, this is saying a lot. And they came back and they said, yeah, they did all these different statistical tests on it, chi-square testing. And, and they said, yeah, this is, this, is, this is a statistically significant difference between these two groups. Hmm. And then I've explored core pursuits further than that. But I think the first thing is, is that it doesn't matter what they are. It matters that you have them. And then I've evolved that over the years. But you, we've got to have these 3.6 or more hobbies on steroids. So much so that I actually... I actually built a I, I, I did some more research around the top core pursuits for happy retirees and I, I came back with called up I think 150 different ones because I started to get all these questions well what are the happy ones what do I what should I be I don't have a lot of these West what should I be doing so actually built our team built the the retired sooner team we built an algorithm where it will you go through a series of about five questions like you pick the picture that makes sense to you like i'm indoor or outdoor i'm i'd like to give money to charity or work for charity so you, you do these this 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 algorithmic picture test and it serves up a dozen of the most appropriate core pursuits that you should look into uh, in your life so i'm a big believer in this yeah, I like that, and I like that you're helping people find because there there are a lot of people who hear, okay, hobbies on steroids, and they probably start like thinking mentally, what are those in my life? Wh which ones are like, what am I pursuing? And I think that's a good recipe for figuring out like whether you have enough. Like, which which of those hobbies are you pursuing with a passion? And as uh, I don't know, as a dude with young kids, I find it harder to pursue some of those hobbies, but they're still there, and some of them are lying a little more dormant than I'd like. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, wish I had the time to go play more disc golf but i don't um but yeah i, I want to ask too like some of the other habits that you consistently found that led to happiness have to do with staying healthy so yeah what, what did you find in your research when it comes to like staying physically active and uh, paying attention to what you're eating stuff like that did the happiest happiest retirees seem to yeah, focus more on that stuff right they really they really do and and there's no particular way that at least i say Again, I'm a big fan of Dan Butner's work, which he's the he's the author of the Blue Zones, and he, his whole entire thesis is is identifying the longest lived people on the planet and looking to see what they have in common. And what's interesting is that none of them have the same diet; they all have different diets. And what's interesting about and I wanted to see, I I did ask this question around what kind of diet do you have, and what? And the reality here is that there is no perfect diet. But what I found, both through research and knowing retirees for many years and working with them for so many years, is that they, ha they have some sort of diet discipline. And it doesn't matter what it is. It just matters that they have that sort of discipline. And that husband and wife, or you don't have to be married to be a happy retiree, by the way. But it, they're very intentional about what their diet is. So whatever that is is important to establish. The second piece of the health equation here is that many of the core pursuits of the happy group are are athletic or let's call that uh, let's call it movement oriented or social so, not just social but athletic oriented pursuits. Hmm. So I talk about this in the book called Ings, the w walking, biking, hiking, running, swimming, cycling. These are the things that are very often both core pursuits and exercise related. And it is it is rare for a happy retiree not to engage at least some of their core pursuits in something that is athletic oriented. Well, it seems and, like that and, would be kind of two birds with one stone, right? It's like I've got this hobby and it's keeping me fit, so it's got like it's got like a double effect. Yeah, whether it's you know whether it's hiking, uh, you know whether you're trying to climb every peak, you know every ten thousand foot peak or every fifteen thousand foot peak in the United States. Or you're literally just walking around in, in the state of Georgia. We have something called Stone Mountain, which is kind of like a little lump in the ground. It's a tiny little mountain, but it's it's cool and it's uh, it's the wilderness. And and people in Atlanta love to go five mile hikes on, on Stone Mountain. It's it's you know it's not Mount Everest, <laughs> but it's it it's athletic. It's and it 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 kills. To your point, it's kind of two birds with one stone. Yeah. It, well, so. Wes, earlier, you, you know, you mentioned that music 
purchases are, are kind of like your splurge. And you know, one of the things that we can do as individuals is go and see live music. And so you actually, I don't know, was this a little self-serving for you? But I, I, <laughs> I found it funny because uh, when you mentioned that earlier, because I mean, you, you found there, there's evidence that shows that this is also one of those habits, uh, concerts. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so con- that is interesting. Um, <laughs> Atrobs love music. And maybe that is self-serving. Um, <laughs> so it, it is interesting that, you know, if, if you, <laughs> and I don't think, again, there's, there's any particular kind of music, but there are multiple studies. This isn't just my, my work, but there it are actually. It would have been funny if it was only heavy metal, by the way, or something like that. <laughs> Atrobs love ACDC. <laughs> um, you know, I the this is not just my research. Actually, I've read several different studies around this, and and it is interesting that music is something that we we find that is a consistent habit in happy humans around the world, and maybe that goes back to something deeper, right? I mean, I it it is amazing to mm-hmm. me how yeah. impactful music can be. Um, and there's so many different kinds of it. And I, we, we all look at our kids' music and whatever they're listening to sounds awful. <laughs> and our parents did the same thing. I remember my dad saying the same thing. Like, what you guys listen to is terrible. And I look at my kids, I say, you know, whatever you guys listen to is awful. But there's something about it that is maybe just in our DNA that, that brings out some sort of, I don't know if it's spirituality or some sort of endorphin release, but there, there's a real connection between music, whether that's concerts or playing music, and individual happiness levels. Hmm. All right. So your podcast is called Retire Sooner. And one of the things you say that many folks can and they should be retiring sooner than they had planned to. And so I want to know from your perspective, like, why is that? Because most financial planners actually say the opposite. They want you to keep working. They want you to keep saving. They want you to keep on investing. And I feel like that's a treadmill that they continue to put their clients on when there are so many other ways to approach that problem. And yes, so like, why from your financial planner brain do you come up with a different solution, which is, no, actually, like, let's help you get there. Let's help you retire sooner than you thought you could. Yeah, because it's funny, and this does get me kind of worked up, but there's this thought, and maybe it's Wall Street, and maybe it's other, there's other financial folks, Susie Orman is one of these that'll kind of preach that, A, it's it's never enough. Now, I, I understand that on Wall Street, right? If you're a publicly traded company, you don't want to ever tell your investors it's enough, because you want to keep having them add and add and add forever, right? It's, it's I think it's a little self-serving. Right. You don't want Amazon to say, we're, we're really done acquiring customers. We're good at this point. We're going to find the right balance for uh, <laughs> yeah. the, the right corporate balance, and we're going to take it easy. No. We're going to take it easy. We're, we have plenty of clients. We're going to take it easy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. when you're publicly traded and you're one of the big firms, you're, you're always growing. You're saying you, it's, it's to some extent. And it's also a safe call, guys. Right. It's like if you're a financial advisor, that's true. It's a safe call to say, ah, you know, you have a million, but you really be better off with a million and a half. You have two million. You really, for your life, say you probably need three million, and that may be appropriate and maybe correct, but it's also kind of never wrong. And I also hmm. think of it this way, and, and again, this is another Susie Orman. Uh, it's a it's a little jab at Susie here, is and, and again, I think she does a wonderful job, but I I kind of believe the opposite of a lot of the things she believes, um, <laughs> is that you should work. One of the things she says is that first of all, you need a five million dollars minimum. She says it's better. Better you should get to ten. Okay. Well, first of all, that most people just check out and they're like, "Well, that'll never happen." So oh, I'm completely. out of the game. Yeah. yeah. When, so, when she says five, that's when folks check out. Yeah. Even just that. That's like that's nope. By far a uh, higher bar than even than, than anybody I know is saving up to, to try yeah, to. Yeah. You're looking at the point like a point one of one of one tenth of one percent in America that ever yeah, even right. thinks about that. And then she says, "No, you really got to get to ten to cover emergencies." Like, okay. Then she also says. And again, this is safe. This is a safe thing to say. How do you never run out of money? Well, you never run out of money if you work and work and work until you die. <laughs> right? If, if you a work forever plan, and you, if you never stop working and you die on the job, well, guess what? You never ran out of a paycheck. That's a pretty safe way to play it. But it's also not practical. And, and as much as I'd love, and I'm very fortunate, and I, you guys are like this. I know you guys love your job. You guys, Matt and Joel, have a you. HTM is amazing. You guys have a fun We're time. Lucky dudes, yes. Yeah. You guys love this great balance. Eighty percent of America doesn't. Yeah. 
And over and over and over again, Gartner Group looks, does this work and engagement study, and we all know, in fact, the numbers actually are a little higher than they've been recently when I first started all this. They're, it's something like 36% today, which is the most we've seen in 20 years that people are actually engaged in work. But mm. that also means that 64% of people are not. <laughs> so yeah, two-thirds the, the, of America doesn't really like their job. One in five, one in five, so 20% of America, millions and tens of millions of people hate their job so much they're literally trying to bring their company down. I remember reading that in your book and I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's not good. Like I want my, it's like, oh, I don't like my, my, my line manager. I want her out. I want my manager to get fired. I want, I want our, our sales team to not do well. Like one in five people literally thinks that. So who am I to say work forever? I'm here to say, look, you don't have to do that. And, and I've seen too many people struggle for years and years and years and finally get to the point where they're able to retire. And you know, listen, stress levels go down, enjoyment goes up, you're doing your core pursuits. Like I see people come back to life once they're done working. And I think, I mean, you can't do that unless you have something to pursue. And I, I think that's a big reason why those core pursuits impacted you so much, Wes. I mean, you mentioned it specifically with your dad, just the number that he had there. And I'm glad that we were able to talk about that as some habits that we can incorporate into our lives. But uh, we're going to talk specifically about just some of the different relational and social habits that can also lead to happiness. And we'll get to those right after this break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money joel so we were just recounting our trip to scotland this is the trip that we took this time last year actually with some of our friends over the weekend and one of the highlights from edinburgh was stumbling upon the absolute best meat pie shop. Mm -hmm. They were fresh out of the oven. They had that perfectly flaky crust. But guess what? That serendipitous experience would never have happened if we'd stayed at a boring hotel. We had found the perfect flat in the coolest part of town, thanks to Airbnb. Ah, oh, Matt, I'm still dreaming about those meat pies. You're making, my, <laughs> you're making me drool. And while turning to Airbnb might be a no-brainer when you're looking to spend some money on travel, it might not be the first thing you think of when you're looking to make some money. Why let it sit empty, your house, when it could be earning extra income, though? It's the financially smart thing to do. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra dough. Yeah, that's right. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, we're back. We're still talking with Wes Moss, talking about retiring sooner and increasing your happiness in the here and now, even before you reach retirement. And Wes, I, I love how you talk about that. It's not a dichotomy. It's a, it's a spectrum that we're walking along. We need to develop those core pursuits now. And it's also, we need to realize that you, you don't have to have $10 million in the bank in order to actually pull the trigger when it comes to, to quitting work. And we've already talked about that importance of core pursuits but you actually, in the book, you say that there's a multiplier effect when those core pursuits involve others, like friends and family. So yeah, let's talk about uh, family specifically. You discovered that married couples, uh, they differed significantly from their single counterparts when it came to reported levels of happiness. Yeah, how was that? What, what did the statistics look like there? Well, well, let me jump. Let me just add one thing too, to your to your point about kind of this long list of its financial and its lifestyle is that I look at this, there's 30 of these in what in this current book, What the Happiest Retirees Know. And they're, to me, they're kind of like this old family recipe that gets passed down from generation to generation. You, you, you kind of know all the ingredients, but you don't have to use all of them. You just, you need, to, you need to have most of them and you can dial up some of the areas and dial back some of the areas, just like you would in any, any formula or any recipe. And it still works. And a lot of times they serve too, Joel, as this almost financial tiebreakers because so much of what we talk about as families, you and your my, my wife and I, in the end, it, 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 we invariably, it trickles down to one, you know, one, one question like, well, of course we'd like to do this. Of course we'd like to do this. Of course we'd like to do this for the kids. But what is it going to cost? Mm. So all so many conversations in our lives always goes back to, well, wait a minute, what's it going to cost? And all of these activities, and there again, there's let's call it thirty ingredients. They're they are important pieces of the formula, but you don't have to have all of them. And I look at a lot of them as as kind of financial tiebreakers. Like, okay, um, I I don't have to do this, but for instance, paying off a mortgage or not paying off a mortgage to me. There's no perfect answer to that question, but my research shows that you're a lot happier and have a lot more peace of mind if you don't have a mortgage. Happiness goes up as years to pay off mortgage go down. So to me, the financial tiebreaker when you're kind of contemplating, do we pay it off, do we not, as an example, the tiebreaker is, well, it's actually a happiness habit as well to figure out a way to get rid of the mortgage because it's a multiplier effect on happiness. It's those retirees are within five years of paying off their mortgage or less are four X, four times, four times more likely to be happy. Mm. Um, and I think I, I, you had asked before that, we, we were asking about what family or yeah, social? Yeah, like being married versus being single when it comes to yeah retirement age. And obviously some of that's <laughs> there's uh, as you get older um, things happen and and that's not always uh, a choice even but you did find right that that married folks are happier um, in their retirement years typically higher propensity to land in that happy group if you're married yep it's not it's certainly not impossible if you're single but it is you have a, a higher likelihood there's a multiplier effect on having a partner in life that's that is clear in the data the other thing that actually surprised me was, and I maybe it, 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 when you're in your 40s, like I am, you guys are younger, but um, you, you end up there. I think the first 10 years of marriage, I didn't know anybody that got divorced. And then all of a sudden, you get in your second 10 years of marriage and you look around and you say, wow, I feel like everybody's getting divorced. And, and when you have friends that go through that and, and clients and families that I work with, it's brutal. And it's a really difficult period of time and it takes people time to recover and it's usually very difficult. So mm -hmm. I was surprised in the data I asked. I also related back to, and it's a huge financial event. Mm -hmm. Divorce is a brutal financial event for almost everybody. And what's interesting to me is that there was no uh, deterioration whatsoever in happiness after a divorce in, in my data. So that being married a second time, happiness levels were the, were, the, were the same. They didn't go down at all. 
it was only until I, I hit marriage number three and four where we started to see happiness levels decline. Hmm. But no decline, and I almost call this a marriage mulligan. Like, hey, we all get a marriage <laughs> mulligan. You get one shot. Make sure you, uh, yeah. No, you get wisely. two. You get one shot. Or doesn't work. Two fine. shots. Yeah. You get a mulligan. One divorce, though. Yeah, you get one divorce. You get one divorce. No big deal. And Lynn, I remember telling Lynn about this. She was like, eh. she goes, no, it'll no, your life would be ruined. If your life is going to suck, buddy. Let me let me tell you. I'll, I'll make sure of that, Wes. You will uh, never see your children. Well, okay, so speaking of of kids, Wes, you know, your research also found that the number of kids we have has an impact on our happiness. So, so tell us, how many kids should should we be having, Wes? The the average, <laughs> the unhappy retiree on average has 0.5 children. Okay. The the happy retiree has 2.5. And so, I don't know what the right answer there is. That I think there is there's obviously a relationship more kids leads to, to more happiness, but here's another plateau effect, right? It's like, I don't know what the right number is, but I remember having the conversation. 18, probably a little too much, yeah. Yeah, if you're like, <laughs> uh, if you're Amish and you've got like 17, you know, 15 kids, I, I don't know, it sounds difficult in the modern world that we live in today, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that I do know that the, my research has 2.5 kids, so three kids is seems like a, a good happiness number, uh, but kids are expensive and we just, we can't, you know, we they're, they're a huge commitment. They're expensive, and you can't just in the world we live in. It's pretty tough to have more sure. than a than a few kids. And I remember thinking, and I, to this day, when somebody says, "Oh, I've got four children," I think my gut reaction for a split second is, "Oh, how irresponsible of you!" <laughs> <laughs> so you're I calling mean, Matt irresponsible. You're this calling got four wait, kids. Wait, 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 so. Wes. You're calling yourself irresponsible because you have four as well. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, exactly. But I remember as what I was a dumb move. Young, when I was younger, I was like, "Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, who can afford four kids?" And um, and my research showed that hey, keep having kids. So Matt, yeah. you're you're fine. You're right on the right track. Well, I didn't see that happiness levels actually went down. I just right. they, they didn't it, they didn't keep plateau. going up. Exactly. Okay. Well, and and so much of this is personal. Just like you said, uh, like there there isn't necessarily going to be a right answer. Or I like what you said too, just about cooking. Right. Like these are all different ingredients, and you figure out how all of these different habits are going to work their way into your life. This is a perfect example of how like happiness in life is. It's more like cooking. And it's less like baking, yeah. right? Because it doesn't have to be the strict formulaic, you know, where it's got to be exactly two and a half tablespoons of this powder or whatever. I don't bake, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but as far as cooking, you just like, all right, let's just throw it on the grill, kind of watch it, maybe add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Or, or like if you're making a stew, it's just like, It's a know, giant it's, stew. Yeah, bad. yeah that's, that's, exactly, that's, that's it. That's what the, my new analogy. It's like a giant family a giant, stew. There you go. So it's <laughs> less like uh, baking a cake. So, so, you know, one of the other things in that stew, we, we talked about family, but it's, it's friends too and just social networks works in general. So yeah, interestingly enough, Wes, like there's a statistic that's, uh, that recently came out. It's like half of all Americans actually say they have fewer than three close friends. And when you look at the statistics back from like the nineties, the early nineties, people had way more friends. Like they, it, we just, there's definitely like a, a friendship crisis I would say happening in our country. So yeah, what, what's your take on this trend? And it certainly seems like an HROB is going to have like more close social, social connections in their retirement years. Yeah, it's it's again. This is one of those habits that takes time, energy, and effort. And it's it is. This is a perfect example of you can't just go through life being too busy for the rest of the world, and then expect for the rest of the world to be ready when you're ready. Yeah. Period. Yep. And this is this is probably the best example of that. Is that you need the cultivation of these close connections takes a lot of time. And it's, it takes constant work. It's constant, right? And it also evolves because people move, right? People people get divorced and then friends go separate ways. Uh, people, unfortunately, people die. Like we live in a world where your three friends may not be, logistically may be difficult to, to be with those three friends for the next 30, 40, 50 years, right? They One might move. Somebody may get divorced and have to move. And... Uh, there's, this is this constant work in progress where you have to really focus in on cultivating close connections. And I don't know why, guys. I actually have no idea, like why today we have less on average than we used to. In the '90s, we had three on average close connections in America. Today, we have 
you know, thousands of friends on social media mm. and we have on average less close, close, close connections, close friends. I don't know I think why. you just answered your question. I, th I mean, I've, I've got well, to virtual think friends and it doesn't yes. have the same uh, happiness level uh, effect. That's the case. Absolutely. Because when, when we're not interacting, you know, in each other's lives on a, if not daily basis, like weekly basis and really digging in deep, like you don't really do that online with all the folks you knew from your you know your graduating class or you know all your previous co-workers that you keep in touch with maybe on with on uh, LinkedIn that you, kind of you thing. might know their political views and you might know the last <laughs> vacation that they took but that's like the extent of your interactions yeah. and and that actually I think it leads to like a, a shallow feeling as opposed to actual yep. feelings of close connection and, and I think too uh, I don't know Wes if you've experienced this I know I have during COVID it's like I've certainly been able to maintain a few close friendships and I, I don't think I've let my connections with with good friends like linger too much but it's been harder. It's been a lot harder. And I think a lot of people are feeling that effect right now, too. Yeah, it's been harder. And maybe maybe we, we're at a crescendo of that because we're kind of at this social media is now it's not new anymore. Right. We've, we've kind of lived with it for 15 some years and maybe it's spread us too thin socially. It's like it's it's we're a mile wide and an inch deep relative to the way it used to be. And so I don't, I don't, that's, that's probably one of the major culprits, but what my findings here are, are very clear is that the, the happy group has close to four close connections. And these are people that I identified in, one of, in my research. I said, look, this, by the way, a close connection or a close friend is someone you will call with really good news or really bad news I, either. And sometimes really good news is, is, is just as hard as really bad news. And mm -hmm. you've got to be, they've got to love you for who you are. And that takes time and effort and cultivation. And it's not going to necessarily be the same three or four people for your entire life. So it's something that you've got to be, it's one of those ingredients in the stew, Matt, that we're, we have to be working on today in our 20s. And I'd say this one is not an optional. This is a non-negotiable, not an optional piece of the recipe. This is like the, the salt. salt. Yeah. Oh, dude, oh, <laughs> oh, the salt, it's, best friends. It's it's the chicken. The, <laughs> the chicken and the chicken stew. <laughs> it's necessary, yeah. And, and I love to, I mean, Joel, as we're reading through your book, you know, you talked about one of the ways that you foster and grow those relationships, obviously spending time together. But you talk about traveling together. I think that was really encouraging for both of us to read because as we are starting to look ahead to like kind of beginning of next year where we're talking about maybe heading up to Kentucky, maybe checking out the Bourbon Trail, that kind of thing with our wives uh, so the four of us and so that's the kind of thing that we can you know there, there are these tent poles that help s to sustain this uh, this friendship that we have with uh, with each other and uh, yeah I don't know we, we really enjoyed reading through your book looking at some of these different things uh, some that we're not doing so well but some that we are think are realizing are important but to have them listed out and to have the data there to support those habits, I think, was incredibly encouraging, uh, if not challenging, as uh, at the same time. So, Wes, this is, you know, we've really enjoyed talking with you, hearing about your book, learning about uh, some of your backstory. Where can folks learn more about you? So everything at westmoss.com. Uh, the the book, what the happiest retirees know, is right on there. Of course, Amazon is. is feels like that's they, they have won the battle in, in selling books. I heard so. they're not taking on new customers, though. So Yeah, they're work-life balance right now. <laughs> they're uh, the right-sizing, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, so just, yeah, westmoss.com, and the podcast is on there as well, the, the uh, Retire Sooner podcast. And listen, you guys are pros, and it's been uh, it's amazing to be on your podcast on HTM, and um, I really appreciate your, your, your support. Wes, dude, it's always a pleasure, and we really appreciate you stopping by. Thanks again. All right, Matt. Always good to have an actual friend come on the podcast. We've had a few yeah, recently. Totally. Yeah, so. we have, actually. Yeah. We need to branch out a little bit. <laughs> but why branch out when our friends are freaking bringing the heat? Uh, when when they're able... so brilliant. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, Yeah, what was your big takeaway from that combo? So, okay, we, you know, so early on, <laughs> so I, th I mean, let's be honest. One of the concerns that you and I had uh, specifically about this episode was, you know, maybe including the word retire or, you know, the, the, the word retirees. And what we realized though after reading Wes's book was that this is something that all people need to be thinking you know to start thinking through and you could even argue and make the point that it's even more important to start getting these things figured out when you're younger when you are in your 20s even though most 20 year olds probably aren't thinking about retirement like that's for you know boomers and gen xers or whatever <laughs> but just like with our money how it's important to start you know basically to get started 
sooner, it's important to get started sooner when it comes to these other habits that don't necessarily pertain to money as well. Uh, I, I loved what he said that you can't just flip a switch when, you know, you can't just like grind it out like crazy until you're 59 and a half, flip a switch and say, all right, friends, come out of the woodwork. Like it's, it's time to <laughs> I'm party. I'm ready for you now. <laughs> exactly. Time to, you know, pick up 3.6 core pursuits right. <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it doesn't work like that. They have to have, be developing along the way. Exactly. And so I am so glad that we have this conversation with Wes because this is something that is incredibly important. It just goes to show that money is not going to solve all of your problems. There are a lot of other things that we need to be doing that oftentimes certainly include money, but uh, oftentimes exist outside of the realm of finance. And so here on How to Money, right? We talk about money, but it is it is good to talk about some of these additional habits that we all need to start incorporating. Yeah. And I mean, I think there are so many big takeaways from this that, that I can mention. And of course, anybody who's listened to How to Money for a long period of time knows that like this is exactly up our alley. Like we it's funny, money is in our name. It's a core thing that we talk about, but money isn't the only thing that affects how happy we are. And we have to take these other things into consideration. Yeah. What was your big takeaway? Uh, well, I love the way he talked about it as a f- old family recipe. You got to have some all of the right. ingredients, not all of them. I like your analogy to the stew and it's better like that instead of baking. It's more like a stew. It's not bacon. But I think That's my right. big takeaway was when Wes said, curiosity is the magic elixir. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a good call for all of us to get a little more curious and to start developing things. It's easy to put it off. And I know I, I mentioned even having like three young kids, it's harder for me to get out there and do the things that, that I want to, some of those core pursuits that are still a part of who I am, but I'm not partaking in them as frequently as as I used to when I was younger, yeah. um, but they're still important to keep around. And then to develop maybe a new curiosity and kind of like a, a new fascination with something else. I think like, yeah, if you haven't developed those curiosities and, and some of those passions uh, along the way, you're going to find yourself later on down the road, like, what is it that I want to do with my newfound freedom now that I don't have work? And so, yeah, it is important to be yeah exploring, getting curious, trying new stuff along the way to see what sticks, to see what you're actually interested in. Like, I remember, Matt, you and I went fly fishing one time, and <laughs> it it didn't stick for me. Like, I no, knew... It, it did not stick and, you know, for I, me I, either, yeah. Like, one of my favorite movies in the world is A River Runs Through yeah, It. Brad Pitt. I was imagining... Robert Redford. It's a good one. I was imagining myself, like... Flying down the river, ghost in, casting, yes, or shadow casting, shadow yeah, casting yeah, yeah. in Montana, <laughs> and it wasn't anything like that in yeah. at least in Georgia. But like, would I try it again? Sure, but I, I you have to be able to willing, uh, able and willing to try some of those things to kind of see totally. what it is that's going to light you up. And I think those are really important things. And so yeah, I like that this conversation was money uh, specific in some ways, but also went way beyond that with the world of just money. Absolutely, man. Let's go ahead and mention the beer that you and I enjoyed on this episode. Uh, this one was by Up. Upright Brewing, and it's called Fantasia, and it says on the label right here that it's a barrel-aged beer with peaches. So, yeah, what'd you think about this one? All right, so this one was like effervescent and Ooh, peachy. Yeah. It was like light and bubbly, and the, the peach flavors really came through nicely. So... This is funny. It's funny. Like most of the beers, usually I am trying to pay attention to the tasting notes. I was so engrossed in this conversation. I didn't even write anything like even Mm. one word down to describe it. But I think, yeah, it was, it was delicious. It was light. It was flavorful. And um, really, even though we're in fall, it's like a perfect summer beer, but it's a good fall beer too. Yeah. It's got the peaches going on. And so this is a brewery that's out of Portland, Oregon, and we get a lot of great peaches down here. So it definitely felt like it was a closer to home beer than uh, across the country. But yeah, it had a little bit of that funkiness going on with it being barrel-aged. Maybe it had a little bit of those bready Saison notes. Uh, and it wasn't too acidic. So oftentimes you get some of those Pacific Northwest barrel-aged showers, and they're just like punch-you-in-the-mouth <laughs> acidic and tart. Yeah. Uh, incredibly sour. Whereas this one wasn't. Uh, it wasn't overly acidic and sour, and it also wasn't overly sweet either. It was just a nice... Very delicious, easy to drink beer. Glad that you and I got to enjoy this one today on the show. Yeah, I'd say this one was like simultaneously refined, but also laid back. That's true. Maybe uh, how Wes Moss would like to uh, describe himself. (laughs) Refined, but at the same time, not overly into it. You know what? That might be how I describe him. Somehow we chose the perfect beer for this episode. <laughs> so that's going to be it for this episode. We'll, of course, make sure to have our show notes up on the website at howtomoney.com. We'll have links to his site, his book, uh, where you can pick up his recently published book. And Joel, I think that's going to be it for this episode, dude. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.